welcome back to the latest episode of the CJ Tour, and I truly do mean the latest one at this point because, in case you haven't heard it, I decided to relocate the podcast slash myself to LA. So it's the first podcast with a new setup here. Um, hopefully, it sounds just as good as normal, if not a little bit better. But to commemorate this experience of the new podcast in LA slash to celebrate it, I have. Of course, somebody who lives in Detroit and is on three hours later time zone, but nonetheless is here able to greet me as well. Andrew Pitlock joining. Andrew, how's it going? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited to be on here. This is my my second appearance now on yep. the, uh, the CGA tour and um, look forward to diving into some different topics on this one. Yeah, yeah. So I know when I had you on before, well, it was, was in person. Which was yeah. I think that was the last that was the last podcast that I ever did in Detroit in person. Um and that that podcast was the second to last day that I was actually in that practice facility. Ever. Or or yeah, at least, well, you know. That was like the second to last day all of us were. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, weren't uh, you cuz I remember specifically working the uh, it was a Saturday night game at Little Caesars Arena mm-hmm. when the Utah Jazz came to town and Mr. The news broke, and ever since, man, we, uh, you know, I went 14 straight months working from home. It was crazy. Yeah, same here. I actually, I flew, I think we did the podcast on a Monday, and the next day I left work to go on vacation slash to go see my grandfather for his 90th birthday party, and that was on the Tuesday, March 10th, and then, of course, March 11th, I got off a plane in Hawaii, ready to see my grandpa and everything like that, and I've got, like, a bunch of missed texts and calls. A bunch is relative to people, so I had like three, which is a lot for me. Of course, it's not that many to other people, of course, after a seven-hour plane flight. But nonetheless, um, the NBA world melted down into what we have now today that we're still dealing with, with COVID and eventually back to full-capacity arenas, it looks like, in many areas. But either way, it's kind of the bookends. We got the one chapter, you know, kind of going on in Detroit with you, and then, you know, come back next podcast with with Andrew, um, you know, it's basically when COVID's ending, I'll say, I mean, it's still granted. Yeah. Everyone's gotta be safe. All type of stuff. Go get vaccinated. Always be supporting that. But with all that said, one of the hobbies or slash things that I learned about that you're really into during COVID that you've been into for a long time is sports card reselling. So I want to have you on the podcast here. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, kind of like a sports card resellers one oh one, right? Like one, how'd you get into it? And to kind of explain like what you're doing now as well. Sure. Yeah. So I um, appreciate that introduction. Of course. Sounded uh, very, very kind. Um, with that said, so I've been collecting sports cards for well over a decade and a half now. Ever since I was a kid, every birthday, any excuse for for my parents to get me a gift, uh, that's exactly what I was asking for. And thankfully, I was very interested in, in basketball, any other sports card market at this point in time, uh, football, given it a little bit of uh, competition on that front. But I've been collecting sports cards since I was, you know, eight or nine years old. And the game has, has completely done a full 180. Uh, when, when I was first getting into it, I was sifting through packs, which are cards that have um, you know, like a slice of jersey inside them, like a, a game-worn piece of jersey or a game-worn bat or some other sort of, you know, cool commemorative memorabilia, 
or of course autograph cards. And outside of that, there wasn't really too much else that I was looking for. Obviously, the, the big name rookie cards. Uh, but as a kid, those those weren't I don't know <laughs> weren't too enticing to me. Um, but luckily, as a kid, I also kind of had this this obsession with keeping my cards in the best condition possible. I knew that more or less, you know, you, you get Pokemon cards and Yu-Gi-Oh cards to play the game. You get basketball cards and sports cards to preserve them. You are you are only buying them to protect them. And I did, you know, I, I was holding my collection back with, you know, for, for a number of years when there wasn't too much value. And then out of nowhere, I recognized that there was this massive boom going on. And with that, I was just starting up my eBay page. <clears throat> I was doing a lot of streetwear and sneaker selling. Um, Cause my old neighbor, he actually owns a, a streetwear store in Metro Detroit, Loose Cannon. Uh, anybody in the Metro Detroit area <laughs> looking for, for some streetwear, Loose Cannon flagship store in Sterndale. They'll get you right, but um, I was I was getting into selling on eBay with that, and then I recognized the the value of my sports cards. And a big step forward in my sports card selling was learning the process of getting them graded. So, getting a card graded means you send them out to which are the professional sports authenticators in California, sunny California, or Beckett. Uh, Beckett is located typically out of Oh boy, it just said broadcast ended. We're all good. We're all good there. I adjusted something so it'll record a little bit cleaner on the audio side, but we're all good. We're all good. Okay. Right yeah. on. Right on. Um, okay. Right on. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, as I was saying, I was able to capitalize on the condition I was keeping my cards because I was sending them into, I was learning how to send them into PSA, particularly with the company that I use. Like I said, there's another company in Texas called Beckett. Uh, Beckett are like they're they're really well known for authenticating. Uh, if if you are familiar with the TV show Pawn Stars, they use like the the Beckett experts to come in and authenticate their autograph authentication and stuff like that. But PSA is kind of the the creme de creme de la creme of grading. So they will take your card, uh, no matter how old or how recent it is, and grade it on a scale of one to ten, and I mean, if you start getting some really valuable older cards in that nine to 10 echelon, then you um, got me into this right away was the fact that I was getting back a lot of nines and tens. So PSA, like I said, they will send it back to you graded and they will put it in these beautiful slabs and it kind of serves as the forever home for the card. So this is the 2006 SP authentic signature series LeBron and Nothing really too incredibly special about it. As a kid, I, I mean, I took away all of my LeBron cards. Um, but recently there was this, you know, like I said, massive boom and cards that as a kid, I didn't expect to have much value recently have a ton of value, especially when you get that PSA 9 or 10 attached to it. So that's kind of what got me into it. I remember my first card that, that sold really, really well was a uh, Panini Prism which is kind of like top of the line for the mass distributed card. Panini Prism, Anthony Davis, 2012 rookie autograph uh, on card. So <clears throat> there's two types of autographs. You get an autographed card that has an autograph sticker on it. So obviously it's a, it's a little more commemorative when it's an on-card auto because it meant that the guy was actually holding it in his hand rather than just signing a bunch of stickers and throwing those on the card. So the Anthony Davis was on card, his rookie auto, Prism, which is kind of top of the line. Um, and then I got a, a 10 out of 10 grade on it, which was 
but for just shy of six thousand dollars and right then and there i'm like this is something i'm going to be getting very interested in <laughs> yeah so, no kidding that, that's kind of the start i know i went on for a bit there no 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 you know you're good though i mean that's that's a full explanation though of an anthony davis prism card so so i, I guess i'm curious here i I didn't know one that players could just sign the stickers, which of course makes a lot of more sense from their standpoint, right? As opposed to, you know, it's less like work on whoever's having them sign it too, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. So, so I mean, what, what part of like a, I guess a player's contract would be with the card company themselves. Do all, are there any players who have historically in the past gone like, I'm never making, I'm never autographing cards or I'm never having my card made. I guess what's to stop somebody from just going from, from prison, from just going, screw you. We can go buy the photo and make the card. Like we don't need your authorization. Right. That's a really good question. And that's actually like a pretty interesting element in all of this stuff. Um, so players can sign autograph exclusivities <clears throat> with various companies. And you'll see that happen with Panini, Upper Deck, and Tops. Those are, those are kind of the three main players in the game. And the reason LeBron James autographs right now, you haven't seen a LeBron James autograph produced in, in quite some time, is because Panini owns the exclusivity at this point in time for NBA cards. So any sports card that has NBA logos on it is, uh, is going to be Panini from now. I think it started in like 2018, which is interesting because like I said, I think LeBron has his personal um, contract with, I, I think upper deck, don't quote me on that, but that's why you're not seeing LeBron autographs made right now. Similarly, Kobe had a, um, he had an exclusivity for signing with Panini. And that is why uh, I can't remember what the last year of it was, but like 2011 or something, his tops autographs are, are super expensive. And I couldn't figure out why at first. And it's because it was the last set of tops cards that he'll ever sign. Mm. And that's because following that, he, he decided to sign on with an exclu exclusivity. So similarly, tops owns the exclusivity for baseball. So you will see Panini making baseball cards. However, they won't have MLB logos on them. Isn't that freaking crazy? So you go and find a pack of Donruss baseball cards from this year. Yeah. Um, that, that's one of Panini's brands. And they will have the baseball players because I believe they have a deal with the Players Association or, or whatever is going on. But they won't have the logos, which is super, super goofy. Uh, and definitely impacts the value of these cards dramatically because uh, Panini Prism baseball cards aren't super popular like the basketball cards are. And that's because they don't have MLB logos on them. Wow. So, and I know there's a ton of stuff as far as, well, like you're saying, like when you get the card graded as far as quality, but what other things are there that go into, like some, like someone who's just interested, right? They want to get into the space. They're they're curious about some stuff. So I sent um, I sent you a couple photos earlier of like some cards that my you know uncle has, uh, yeah, that he was showing me the other day, right? And so I was able to look up like uh, I'm just gonna throw this out for an example. I've been to listen to the podcast here, but like a Johnny Bench Reds catcher card, right? So like it looks like there is it's autographed, you know. To me, you know, okay, I Johnny Bench is a very common name throughout the state of Oklahoma because these you know. Um, from there. Oh yeah. Catcher for the Reds, number five. 
He's technically a cousin of mine in some very distant relationship whatsoever that I've been told several times, which I have, I see it. which it was, oh yeah, oh, of course, right. Uh, which I've been explained several times of how he's related to me, which I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not, I'm just saying at the end of the day, like it's a cool card, right? I've got the history to, you know, follow Johnny Bench, et cetera, from the personal side, as well as, you know, he just was an insanely good player, but what makes a, di a difference between like a car, like the one I just sent you, where it's just a standard, he's holding a bat, you know, et cetera. But it's it's a card clearly not produced in the past 10 years, we'll say. I don't know if it was produced much longer, you know, much before that, but it's not like a rookie card. What makes that a difference as versus somebody who, you know, is it, selling something different? Because basically I found two listings for this card exactly on eBay. And both of them, neither of them were graded. One was three bucks and one was $25. And both were just saying, or best offer, and they didn't have really a bid. It was just to buy it now. So what's, right. you know, how does someone find value? Like they go, oh, actually, I'm going to get that card as opposed to me where I get the card because I just thought it was cool. All right, so I just pay three bucks, but I wouldn't know. Neither of these two cards were graded in this example. Like what, what makes one card better from another one as far as trying to find the value? Sure. So I guess to, to start, if you are looking mm -hmm. to find the evaluation of a card, definitely look at sold listings. So it, when you go on an eBay search, you can go through the filters and you can just switch over to sold listing and that will show, um, you know, with, with a green price on it, the actual ending sales price on a card, because you, you'll see people fishing for all sorts of crazy prices. I imagine that Johnny bench card, unfortunately is closer to two or $3 rather than the person who's asking for the 25. And here is the explanation behind that. I actually have, um, you know, kind of, kind of pinpointed this in some of my content. You will hear me oftentimes saying scarcity drives the world of sports cards. And I'm, I'm almost a broken record with it, with how much I mentioned it in my videos. And that is why you'll see 80s and 90s baseball cards not go for very much. In fact, the 90s uh, for baseball cards particularly is, notorious for being the junk wax era. Like that's, that's what it's called. If you ever hear somebody say junk wax era, they're referring to nineties baseball cards. And that is because these companies decided that, you know, they're in the business of making money. They decided to print off a bazillion, uh, like just copious amounts of every card. Um, you know, the Ken Griffey rookie cards, Derek Jeter rookie cards, Mark McGuire rookie cards. Well, I get uh, Mark was a little before that era, but, like I said, Ken Griffey, Derek Jeter rookie cards are two cards you'd expect to be absolutely popping off in value. But Upper Deck and Tops printed off so much that they like didn't even keep up with them. So the scarcity of current cards and how well tracked all of that is, is a huge factor in the current market for it. In fact, a lot of cards will specifically have a serial number on them that dictate that will specifically show you um, just how many there are. Let me see if I can find something perfect. So here's one of my Kevin Durant rookie cards. Okay, yeah. If you can see it through all the Oh, yeah. So Got the Sonics jersey, then, so that has to be legit. Yep. Unfortunately, it's a mix with, with a Chris Wilcox rookie card, which I wish that was <laughs> not a part of the equation. But on the back, you will see uh, this gold numbering right here. Mm-hmm. My goodness, I'm having a hard time in my life. And it says 29 out of 59. Yeah. yeah, I can That is specifically telling you that, like explicitly telling you that there's only 59 of this card that were printed. 
Whereas, like I said, with that 90s era baseball and basketball, for that matter, there were just so many printed that, um, you know, there's, there's no scarcity and therefore not much value. And with that said, um, there still can be value if they're graded, but they have to grade incredibly well. Like they have to grade a 10, like a perfect 10 or bust. Because, I mean, if you get a perfect condition Derek Jeter or Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, then that, I mean, that's scarce because there's not too many perfect 10 out of 10 condition cards. However, there are still tens of thousands of PSA 9 of that card. So, like I said, scarcity is what is driving that. Is that and that is why you're seeing rookie cards of these incredible super athletes, legends, sell for pennies on the dollar. I've sold a, a lot of three Ken Griffey Jr. rookie cards and it went for like less than $3. And I'm not even kidding. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, it's one of the things that I would, of course, think about, but wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily think about when it comes to cards, right? I would just think that every single Michael Jordan rookie card, you know, but, you know, probably there's not that many of them, right? But for, but as you said, the, the Derek Jeter, Ken Griffey Jr. example is great. Because I would think, oh, you know what, if I just log on eBay and, uh, you know what, I want to get a cool card, I bet those will go up in value. But as you're saying, the Junk Wax era, which is, you know, they just made who knows how many. Like, they don't even know, right? They don't even know how many they made necessarily. So that's, yeah, that's very, very, very interesting. I I mean, the next question I have here, and I can go through the list at some point, but I, I want to ask you something that I didn't necessarily um, send over, and that's what's, like, the, the weirdest card that you've seen for – as far as this player was never that great, but the card has a ton of value, you know, like, is there, is there anything like that? Is there kind of like a happy medium, for example, like, um, like an, like a Honus Wagner card, right? That's like the most expensive card ever sold, all type of stuff. But that's got like a very interesting story off of what a pack of tobacco, you know, or cigarettes or something. Right. And it's just kind of cause it's older, but is there something where you go, yeah, there's this, random card from like a left tackle, you know, or something where you wouldn't ever think there'd be any value to it just because the player was never that good, but there is a ton of value to it for some random reason. Totally, man. Totally. Yeah. Uh, so that's another great question. And that is actually why I am so hesitant sometimes to just toss things up in, in auctions. Mm -hmm. Um, especially now that I'm breaking out to like the, the Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! sector which are i mean those are realms i'm not familiar with is because i know there are random cards tucked away that have value for reasons that only collectors cherish um so the honus wagner one is a really interesting story so honus wagner on one of the first baseball card sets of all time um baseball cards were sold with packs of tobacco so uh, essentially these these players likeness were tied to um you know, pushing forward the sales of tobacco. And I believe Honus Wagner wanted his card removed because he, he didn't condone the practice of that. And he, you know, he didn't want to be pushing that market forward. So that is why the Honus Wagner card is this rare and incredibly valuable. I'm talking millions of dollars valuable uh, that it is because of that story behind it. Um, there, there's some other interesting stories like that in one-off cards. The 1999 NBA Hoops Mark Jackson card. Uh, if you saw my story a few weeks ago, I was actually building out those 1990 NBA hoops sets, and I, I told this story. I'm back. Cut out there for a second. You're good. You're <laughs> um, good. In the background of this card were the – how am I going to forget the name of the brothers? Um, 
there there was a a pair of brothers. Hang on, Menendez. I didn't even have to look it up. I didn't get that from Google. My brain worked. The Menendez brothers are are sitting in the background of Mark Jackson's 1990 NBA Hoops base set card. And the Menendez brothers are notorious for being a duo who murdered their parents. And following this murder, they went on a shopping spree, uh, like you wouldn't believe. And one of their big ticket items that they purchased on the shopping spree was courtside seats at Madison Square Garden. And it just so happened that, uh, well, not Panini at the time, but NBA Hoops was there snapping Mark Jackson's picture for his base set card. And in the background of it are the Menendez brothers. And I guess according to like the timeline of it all, this is within like days of, of them murdering their parents. So that card um, has, has a, a, a slight bump in value. That card was incredibly mass produced. So, so nothing too crazy, uh, but <clears throat> that's, that's definitely a, a decent casing point for, for this discussion. Another one, is the 2012 prison basketball set was the first installment of prison basketball. And with that, like I said earlier, prison basketball has grown to become uh, the, the most highly sought after mass produced set uh, amongst basketball cards. So the first set ever of that uh, has, has, for, has forced the value of pretty much all the cards in it to, to go up, like just random base set cards they've they've blown up in value because like I said, it's that first installment of prison. Wow. So, cause I was going to, I was going to make a Mark Jackson joke and I guess I still will. The most famous thing I know him for is, you know, basically letting Steve Kerr win a championship with his guys, you know, with the Warriors, but you know, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, hey, I, I got to make one Mark Jackson funny quote. Um, or his quote of mama, there goes that man. That's his always his thing whenever he's talking about, any guy dunking on anyone. Yeah, that that's his that's his quote. But it's it's interesting to hear about the the background of a photo. So it's not necessarily like the card as far as a misprint and all that type of stuff, but I'm sure that I'm sure there are things with that, right? As far as cards with certain misprints. I know my dad has a couple and my uncle was showing me some too that in my mind, yeah, it's definitely a misprint or it's off a little bit here or there, but it's not it's not such a bad misprint that I would think that you, that it would be worth anything, right? So what are some of the stuff that is, okay, because it's printed incorrectly or because it's, you know, whatever from the car manufacturer, it, it means that it is worth something. Sure. Yeah. So I honestly, personally, I have not been fortunate enough to, to dive into the, the heavy money misprints, mm -hmm. um, but there are some, some misprints that, that go absolutely crazy in terms of, evaluation. In fact, I had, um, you know, one of the most successful sports card and sports memorabilia. <laughs> so, uh, one of the most successful sports card sellers that, that I know, his name is Cruck Cards. I actually just had a, a yeah. StreamYard podcast with him last week. He's made, you know, a, a full career from, from the buying and selling of sports cards. And he hunts down when he opens boxes, which is he, he rarely does, which kind of came as a shock to me. You know, isn't that crazy? The most successful sports card seller I know doesn't open up boxes. Yeah. He, I mean, he thinks that that's kind of, well, just from the business approach to it, it's just not logistically sound. You know, you can open up that box. It could be a $600 box and you could lose 
$550 of that 600 immediately. So he just cuts out the middleman and he just buys in bulk and he'll travel the country and find people who want to sell off collections. But getting off topic, he hunts for um, misprints from 80s and 70s baseball because I guess those go absolutely crazy in value. And that comes back to the lesson I was I was saying earlier, scarcity. That That's mm. primarily why those cards are as thought after as they are is they're scarce. There's not too many misprints that go out there. Now, there are a lot of times where the printing will be done poorly. In fact, that's an interesting aspect of grading. Grading is not all dictated by the condition of the card in terms of, you know, clean corners and clean surfaces, no scratches. It's also dictated by how well the card is printed. Um, so you can get a card dealt to you from a pack that's already PSA six or seven. So, you know, that's, that's a big part of things too. In fact, this year's prism, um, they're, they're, you know, prism basketball is notorious for their quality control. Every prism card I've sent to PSA, I've gotten back as a 10. And, and I mean, that's not the case for everybody by any means, but their, their quality control has been amazing. And this year they put out this phenomenal LeBron James card and the LeBron card is him doing the, the Kobe um, commemorative, like the, the memorial dunk, if you remember that. Like oh, yeah. After Kobe's passing, when he did the exact same dunk as Kobe in the Staples Center. It's um, it's yeah. the only, like, horizontal photo card, too, out of the whole set. All the other ones are, are vertical. And it's, like, a super cool card. And for some reason, the centering has been, like, pathetic on them. Or on, on, on a lot of them. Don't get me wrong. Not all of them. But yeah. people are, are kind of outraged because they're fishing for these cards because the, you know, the the super crazy refractor LeBrons are supposed to be, you know, worth tens of thousands of dollars potentially. But the centering on them means that you're going to be getting like a PSA six or seven, and that's not even the collector's fault. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of kind of wild. Whoa! So okay. Misprinting can yeah. be good in the if it's like a complete like misprint that that almost makes it a famous card like famously bad misprints. Yeah. But if you just get dealt a misprinted card, it, uh, it can be incredibly frustrating. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Well, well, I guess on that note, so we're talking about scarcity a lot here, right? And that, I know that's kind of, you're, you're saying you might sound like a broken record, but I think that's something to definitely key in on for anyone who's looking to get into this space. What are some other tips of, of stuff people can look into as far as, you know, their, yeah, they're my little brother. He's 14, loves collecting sports cards, but wants to do it as maybe a side hobby that could be in the future years part of, you know, Kirk cards or, or whatever, right? What are some tips as far as, you know, how to collect cards and how to be a collector right now if you're getting into it? Sure. So, I mean, right now it is like almost, it's almost impossible to be getting into uh, basketball card collecting, at least at like a decent scale. Um, in fact, for the last several months, what I've been having to do in order to get basketball cards on the retail market, rather than having to pay somebody's secondary price, which is sometimes four or five times higher, which I'm not even criticizing. That's, that's the hustle, baby. Uh, I play that game a little bit too. Um, I've had to camp out. I've had to stay in, in line at a Meyer or a Target or a Walmart for four or five hours. Okay. Maybe not that long, but two to, to, you know, three, four hours, um, in order to, to get dealt a, a pack 
well, not a pack, a box for the retail price. And the big part of the reason why these lines are congregating is because a $20 box from Target is being flipped online immediately for over $100 in, in terms of those prison basketball uh, blaster boxes, ha uh, hanger boxes. And with that said, you know, that, that kind of creates some difficulties, but doesn't make it impossible. Uh, I guess my tip to new collectors would be if you're, you know, if you're looking to do it for, for fun and to get into the hobby, which is, which is important too. Like it's important to kind of, I think, get a groundwork foundational knowledge. Um, and with that, you know, you could start with some of the lower sets, some of the, the, the cheaper sets, which are like your NBA hoops, uh, Panini illusions, um, you know, those are, those are some of the more like palpable, like yeah, you know, yeah. ones that people can afford, uh, and, and getting into those and building out sets that, that can kind of get you in the right framework and, and state of mind moving forward. But anybody who's trying to make actual money within this realm in, in selling cards specifically, uh, I guess if, if somebody wanted to come into this market to make money, I would almost just recommend that they don't even open the boxes, that they buy the boxes for retail and sell them for, like I said, four or five times as much. And that, that is not even an exaggeration. Um, yeah, I, I was meeting people online who don't, they don't know anything about sports or sports cards and don't even care or think about opening those boxes. But I've also met kids in line who have been like, I've never been able to open up a a pack of basketball cards because or like a pack of you know valuable basketball cards because they're they're so tough to, to come around um so yeah that would be my advice is to to start by by knowing what you're doing because if you're just ripping boxes and packs you can i mean absolutely blast a hole in your wallet now more than ever so not to plug the instagram but my that, that was kind of a mission of mine a little bit is to help people get that that foundational mm -hmm. groundwork um of, of, of information in the sports card realm. So pitch that project on Instagram. That's uh, that's the best yeah. place to start. That's my answer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well that's, that's going to be plugged here in the description at the end, all type of stuff and in the YouTube, it's funny how the video quality is here on my end at least, but, but that all type of stuff will be definitely, um, you know, find Andrew here in the comments. Right. Um, well, well, on that note, though, as as far as you're saying, right now is not is not the best time, right? It's just, just everything's selling for millions and millions of you know dollars comparatively, right? Oh, okay, so that's that's that Mark Jackson card you're talking about. Holy cow! Okay, yeah, man, that that's that's interesting within itself. I would not think that the background of a photo of a player, paramurderers sitting right there in the car, it's crazy. So I guess there, there's been people who have been trying to get them out of jail. I don't know what the story is, but like I said, these guys are, are doing hard time and have been for decades and they're been right in the background of that card. We'll Jeez. continue, but I was hunting down yeah, this yeah. card for a bit and I'm like, <laughs> show it. Oh, no, no, you got to show it. You got to show it for sure. Um, well, well you, you know, kind of back to what I was getting at here is you're saying now may not be the greatest time in the entire world just because everyone is picking up those side hobbies and really trying to hustle at them, right? Like sneaker resales, it seems, have gone out the like out the ass. I mean, just if you want to go pick up a pair of Air Jordan 1s that are high tops anywhere, you're paying resale. Like, like you might be able to find them if they're not that great, whatever, all that stuff. But for someone like me who's just into sneakers, if I want to go buy a pair of Air Jordan 1s, before the pandemic, I could at least do that. 
I could try to buy some. Granted, I've got a pair that are like red. They're the David Letterman. They've got a mic in the soles, of course. You know, shout out to the podcasting phase, all type of stuff, right? But at the end of the day, like I've had the joke made once or twice. There are, are big red and bright colored shoes. So they definitely don't look the greatest on another, you know, on a dude unless you dress them right. But with all that being said, now I can't go, like if I want to go resell these pair of sneakers now and I never worn them, they were a general release. They were available in large amount of quantities. They were sitting on shelves. That's how I was able to buy it for less than retail. Um, and, you know, discounted. But now if I want to go buy these exact sneakers again, I'd have to pay not double, but I'd have to pay more than retail. I'd pay $200, whatever, when they were like 180 retail, when I probably picked them up for like 110, 115. I can't remember exactly. But sports card sales have been something else that's just gone just crazy, right? During the pandemic, everything like that. People are getting into hobbies of, you know, flipping used cards, et cetera. Where do you see this whole area? And I know this is one heck of a setup to this question, but where do you see this area in like five to 10 years? Do you think that it'll die down a little bit, that it'll be truly come back to a little bit more of an equilibrium where you will be able to go to Target and just pick up a box? Or do you think it's just going to be one of those things we don't see any, you know, downturn with this for a long time. You know, I've done some thinking on this. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, like, I, I imagine more retail stores might get, like, interested and involved in the, the selling of sports cards. Um, and, and hopefully that would subdue things a little bit. I think a big part of it, and you know, I'm, I'm speaking from a place of, of semi-unfamiliarity, is this exclusivity that I was talking about earlier, is Panini is the only person who can put out basketball cards right now. And they can only put out so many. And they only wanna put out so many um, because the last thing they wanna do is, is completely crash it and cause a junk wax era. <laughs> um, because, I mean, that, that's ultimately what kind of started the, that junk wax era of baseball that I was talking about earlier is people were really flooding into the, you know, into the world of baseball cards and upper deck and tops were, were making money hand over fist, which forced them to, to just put out enough to, to meet the demand, like make sure everybody can have a pack of cards if they want a pack of cards. And ultimately I think it's in, you know, talking about right now, it's in everybody's best interest that that doesn't happen. Unfortunately, you know, as, as much as that kind of stinks to hear, especially as somebody who, you know, aside from the money in this, you know, I appreciate the fact that the kids are getting introduced to the sport and introduced to, you know, maybe like an entrepreneurial mindset and, um, you know, the, like learning the skills of organizing. I, I, I think it's important for kids to, to be able to collect cards. Uh, and it's, it's really unfortunate that the kids can't really collect basketball cards right now. Um, nature of the beast a little bit though. And I, I think that a big step forward will be once these retail, uh, stores figure it out that that'll be a step forward in making sure that that everybody or at least more people can start getting taxing boxes in their hand because they kind of got overwhelmed this blew up in their face they had no idea I, I mean a few months back before everybody you know got hip to, to what the heck was going on here um i just kind of mapped out distributor schedules so i knew like all right Target on 12 mile was restocking on Tuesdays and Meyer was also restocking on Tuesdays. And it was like fishing with dynamite, man. I was just going around and, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and, and go hit all of these different stores that 
uh, the distributors were, were dropping off to that set. And eventually, you know, other people started catching on to that and these stores were forced to push it to, all right, well, we're going to just release cards on Friday at 8 a.m. And then these, these lines started getting crazy. And anytime, you know, people are, are investing their time out of their day for a, a spot in line, um, you know, tensions are going to be high. And these stores weren't prepared to, um, you know, man security or man any sort of organizational efforts for these lines. And it was the wild west out there. And ultimately, it boiled over somewhere. I, I, I don't even know where that video took place. But I personally haven't even seen the video. But there, there was a video of, of a fight breaking out, violent fight. And just like that, boom, everybody's done pushing sports cards on Saturday mornings and, and Friday afternoons. Uh, so I think once Target, Walmart, Meyer figure out a safe way <laughs> for everybody to, to be getting these cards, um, I think we'll, we'll be returning to some place of, of normalcy. Well, well, not to sound like the, uh, the, the dude who's just been watching cryptocurrencies and random Reddit threads, um, but why, you know, I mean, GameStop... Listen, GameStop with their stock is a whole other chance. I'm sure we could go into it some other time and place. But GameStop, I remember I would, I don't, I don't think I ever camped out for a video game. I think there were a couple times in college where I'd walk into the Walmart. There were two WalMarts in the store, Oklahoma, and I was able to pick up the video game, like you know, whatever is the FIFA or Madden, I think, or NCAA when they were making those or what or NBA 2K, and I was able to pick it up like 15 minutes early because the guy at Walmart had no idea what I was talking about. He's like, uh, yeah, I think we got those in. I think they're in the back, whatever, and gave you the video game. But this seems like an area of opportunity for, and I'm sure the card companies have other deals with the, you know, with these stores. But it seems like GameStop could just go, yep, we're we're the ones releasing cards, right? Like a smaller retail store where you don't have that many other, because like I'm sure the people who are walking into Target and are looking outside at the lines, you know, of of guys and gals who are waiting in lines for cards are just going, I mean, are they waiting on the laundry detergent sale? Like, that's what I'm going in for, right? But at the same point, you've got you've got people who are very serious about getting to the far back part of the store, away from everything else by the electronics, right? Or I don't even know where they put the cards now because every single time I've gone in, they're no longer by the catch search or whatever. Yeah, they they're they're somewhere else. Customer service. Yeah, oh. And because they don't want to open the doors and have people doing the run dash to the back yeah which they were doing for a little bit too i was i was caught in a couple of those where i'm you know fast walking i'm like oh you know where, what are you here for you here for some cards all right cool man and then you know <laughs> i and the thing is i am very surprised that there weren't more incidents like that in fact you know the the campouts i was doing i was seeing tensions starting to boil you know where a few misplaced words could have really caused some you know some some fists to be flying like I said, anytime people are throwing hours of their day into something, they, you know, they own the right to that spot in line, but it was the wild west. It, it, we were policing each other. It, it's crazy. Okay. People, you know, five minutes till three o'clock with three o'clock's when the release happens. And suddenly this guy's two friends who have been in the, in the bathroom for four hours show up and they're like, I've been here all day. And then, you know, pushing and shoving big chest, big chested stuff, you know, <laughs> It's, it's crazy. So I, I think that yeah, as simple as it may sound, the targets, Walmarts, and, and you know, the, the people at the top there were just so unfamiliar with it that they 
figured, shut it down. We'll get to it eventually. And, and hopefully they can familiarize themselves with things a little bit. Um, but they, they just didn't know what was going on. At the, and the, the workers certainly didn't either. In fact, workers were very visibly annoyed. <laughs> like even when I'd show up during the week and, and ask like, oh, you know, what's the plan with sports cards? They were almost reluctant to tell me because they, they just knew it was going to be feeding to the frenzy that they, they were going to have to work through on a Friday morning. Yeah, I got to think whenever we see all of these different retail stores and everywhere say, hey, we're hiring, we're hiring, all type of stuff. And then those people who are actually working those jobs that are, you know, basically going, yeah, you're, you're trying to hire these guys who are flipping sports cards or whatever, like the high schoolers and stuff, right? You know, or college age kids, um, just because people are making, you're making money off yeah. this, um, but also people are getting stimulus checks too, so they have enough money to buy for this stuff as it, well. It was not helping that all yeah. of this frustration was being thrown at these employees in the middle of, you know, an employment crisis. Right. It, I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that, that part being fun whatsoever, especially with the masks and stuff too, where you can't hear everyone. You've got something to hide behind all type of stuff, whatever. I still do think it's funny that I have my driver's license photo is from like a year and a half ago or whatever. So now whenever I show that to people out here in California and it's like, you know, I've got a mask on, it's a Michigan ID, all type of stuff. They're like squinting real hard, all type of stuff, whatever. I could only imagine what some dude's doing in, you know, at a target at, you know, 3 PM on a Friday going, dude, I get off at five, let me out of here, all type of stuff, whatever. And they've got to go, okay. You know, or, or check whatever it is. Right. Like I, I couldn't imagine that part being fun whatsoever. Yeah. they were supposed to limit it to, uh, you know, to two boxes per customer. Mm. And there'd be times that I would go out to my car, throw a sweatshirt on, throw a different color mask on. And, you know, it's kind of scummy to say now, I guess a little bit, but I'd make sure that those shelves were clear before I was out of there. Cause there's no way I'm leaving genuinely. Like they were just handing out 80 bucks, 70 bucks every time, every purchase. Like, it, like I said, it was, you know, a select blaster box, mega box. Oh my God. With a me- if you find a mega box, which they rarely restock, but occasionally would, it's, it's, they're handing you a hundred dollar bill. And it's, it was that simple. So anytime that, you see something crazy like that going on at your local target, every target, every Walmart, every Meyer. Um, crazy. Well, is it still I mean, going on right now? Meyer headlines of 30. Like I, I've checked like, like all of them. It was crazy. Um, it well, target made the decision about a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. They're done. Sports cards are not in any of their stores period. And um, so target, that, that was a huge factor in things, especially for select football, which I love. That was one of my favorite uh, sets of the year. They're done. So I, I guess they do um, e-commerce. So they'll, they'll throw them on their website, I believe, on Fridays. I guess they, they kind of do that sporadically. But that game's getting botted out. Very From day one, people have been comparing this to the streetwear game and the streetwear boom. And it is just following suit. Cause like I said, bot, like the second that they said, we're going full e-commerce online. I'm like, all right, well it's over. Fingers crossed. Cause the bots, yeah, the bots take over, man. And that's just the nature of the beast. Like it, you can complain all you want, but it's just like, like I got to find a guy who makes bots and <laughs> I got to adapt. I got to find a charger too, but I can keep listening. Oh yeah. yeah no, you're good. You're good. 
Yeah, I, I got to find some bots to help me out with the, the sneakers app from Nike because that's one of the things that I could actually relate to this part about the the selling is that I had a, a couple of friends who have actually been on the podcast here previously, um, but one I'll shout at him is Jeremy Begun, who when I worked for uh, the San Diego Padres, then he was also San Diego, San Diego Padres co-worker, and he told me all about, hey, you got to get into like Jordan 1s. You know, if, if you're buying these Jordan 1s that sold on this Saturday um, and you get them, you're basically, if you are able to resell them, you're basically, you're going to make X amount of money of whatever they resell for. And he was talking, you'll at least make $500. And he's just like trying to get other people just interested in whatever. He had nothing to gain from this, um, except for he just knew the information and wanted to see if someone else could also win the sneakers through the app. So, excuse me. So I was able to win the sneakers through the Nike sneakers app, and these were the Travis Scott Jordan ones, which of course now are reselling for almost two thousand dollars. Look, the other I looked like I think yesterday or something, but at the are time, you rocking, those, are you rocking the Travis Scott's, bro, or do you? Flip oh, them? oh, I flipped them for sure. You know how you know how dumb I would yeah, feel yeah. if like I was wearing because I I flipped them and then I bought the pair of Jordan ones that I do have, which I'll go grab here in half a second, but I I can't I can't wear it. $1,200 shoes to work or out of the house or whatever. And even though that's not what they actually sold for in the first place, and I'm well aware of that, if the resale values that, I know there's going to be people who are way more into this space than I am and have way more questions than I could ever answer about it. They'll be, oh, oh man, you know, whatever. But I guarantee you I'd do something dumb and like wear them wrong or, you know, or whatever. And even though I like them, I shouldn't feel bad about wearing sneakers. I would just feel bad for the monetary aspect too of like, the second I put these on and I take that first step out of my house and there's a crease in them, I like, in my mind, it, it was an investment. I lost $1,200, you know, right. which, which you gotta make a definitive decision. Right. Right. Which, which I mean, I'm trying to compare here, but the bots for the sneakers app are crazy. Like the sneakers app, you know, W's that I have are few and far between just because the bots have gotten in there and completely, it seems like completely controlled that market space of it's, it's just, it's Supreme, over. Uh, big time with Supreme too, with their, I mean, they, they do a weekly drop every Thursday. So people got, I mean, incredibly integrated into like their, their bots were going crazy to the point where, I mean, if they were selling 10 items in a week and you kind of have, they give you a sneak peek. So going into the Supreme drops, you knew like, all right, these two items, are going to go so crazy. I'm not even going to have a chance of getting them. So I'm not even going to waste my time because time is precious. Those were the, those are the most stressful couple of minutes of, of every week was uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time on Thursdays because that was the, the Supreme drops. Um, I've kind of, I've gotten away from those a little bit because Supreme, like the, the value surrounding Supreme has gone down uh, at least from from my observation, a little bit ever since they they sold to Vanity Fair. Do you see how much they sold for? It was like two point four no. billion billion. Oh, the beat. This was just. I mean, this is a uh, a streetwear and skate shop that was opened up in I believe nineteen ninety five in New York by a group of guys, and man, that's the American dream, bro. And you know, it's kind of a, a shame that they spent so many years, and their their brand was kind of revolving around like anti-establishment don't sell out man but 2.4 billion um you could buy the pit stop for 2.4 bill 
Yeah. yeah you think? You but think you so? Have- I, I think you could buy the CGA tour and the pit stop as a. I think we could do a bundle offer for two point four bill, right? We'll cut you a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll, you we'll know what's interesting with the Travis Scott ones, and, mm-hmm. and it's kind of applied a little bit once again to the uh, world of sports cards is the overflow of demand for the Travis Scott ones has. Um, boomed the value of, of other shoes. Um, one of the only hits I've ever had on the sneaker app were the Mocha ones. And the Mocha ones were essentially the T Scots, uh, except they had the swoosh on correctly rather than backwards. And I, same thing, you know, I was tempted. I got them in my size, which is, as a, as a flipper, that is just a no no. Don't, don't, if you're going to flip, don't buy them in your size because I was staring at them. Uh, you know, for, for weeks making the decision, but ultimately I flipped them. And that's all thanks to Mr. Travis Scott putting out essentially, a, you know, the same shoe just with some altercations. And, and obviously, you know, the Travis Scott additions being as commemorative as they are super cool. But that's, that's interesting. You kind of see that in sports cards a little bit too. Cards that have no value. Um, perfect example is sophomore year cards. So obviously rookie cards of the studs, players go for for crazy amounts of money and it's getting to the point where lebron's sophomore year cards and uh you know luca's sophomore year cards are are going for crazy amounts as well because there's so much overflow and and, i mean i guess i guess i don't doubt any of that right like of course there's gonna be overflow whatever in the second tier but one thing i i know i would definitely want to ask you about here is that sports cards like how could we see a better opportunity for people who are actually interested in just owning the cards get into this like you know little brother myself whatever right like so one of the things that i used to do a lot and it's evolved is i used to like my little brother was just getting super super into nfl cards so i would just go to target and i'd grab him some sports cards whenever i was not living in the state of oklahoma with him and i just mail them to him and i think i did that like once or twice i should have done a lot more clearly but then when I was home this past year in Oklahoma City, I would just, you know, I tried to pick him up like a couple cards or whatever. I could never find any cards of any type, right? Because I, I didn't necessarily, I, I didn't care at all about getting him the Prism NBA cards, right? I was just trying to get him like something, you know, because he, lo- he would open it up, he loved looking at him, and then sure enough, like, one of the five cards would be a guy we knew, right? And it it might not have been, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Tom Brady and it wasn't, you know, Patrick Mahomes, but it would be like McCole Hardman or somebody, you know, like somebody who won an NFL, you know, Super Bowl ring, like, like name off or, or whatever. Um, and I'm not even, I'm just providing this as an example. But, but now you, you can't even do that, right? So do you think there'll be the sports card, the sports card makers, Panini, Top Shot, um, not Top Shot, excuse me. That's all like an NFT thing that I could get into way too much about later on. But but you know what I'm saying, like Upper Deck, uh, Tops is what I meant to say. Um, do you think, in Panini, do you think they'll start going, you know what, we don't want to make a ton of, we don't want to make 10,000 um, K Cunningham rookie cards. We'll make, we'll make 1,000, but we'll make, 2000 Kate Cunningham rookie cards that are not the prism or that are, you know, or, or is that already exist? And I just don't know, right? Like a different quality, a different version. That's not as worth as much because they can just print 5,000 of them instead of 1000. Sure. So for 
Um, first of all, Cade Cunningham, Cunningham, Detroit Pistons, very soon. Very soon. Mark my words, that lottery, that lottery ball, that ping pong ball, Detroit, baby. Okay, it's our time. Ben Wallace is coming to the uh, the lottery, and he's representing the Stones. So you know he's gonna he's gonna pull it for us. There has right. never been an easier jersey buy in my entire life than oh. if Kate Cunningham is a Detroit Piston or an Oklahoma State Thunder guy. I mean, I mean, no, Kate Kate went to Oklahoma State. I've worked for the Thunder. Grant's an intern, but they've been the team now, and I've worked for the Pistons. So I mean, that's an easy. I that that'd be the easiest jersey buy I'd have in the history of my life. But but go ahead here. Kate Cunningham, future Piston. Lock it in right now. You, yeah. Um, so now that we got that out of the way, they are, in a way, um, you know, doing what what you're kind of asking, which is create a, a, a card that is is not like, you know, crazy value. Um, it it yeah. doesn't have anything too spectacular to it. But the, I guess, uh, something interesting that, that I'm going to say, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to continue thinking on this later, but I'll spit it out. The value that we're finding in these retail stores isn't the card itself. It is potentially what these boxes and packs could provide. So, I mean, if you go on the lowest echelon of, of a basketball card right now, which is, like I said, like the NBA hoops or, uh, I guess, illusions, um, some of the other lower lower tier sets, and you're looking for your Zion rookie card or your John Moran rookie card, I mean, that's very doable. Those, those cards are less than $10. If you wanted to get a PSA 10 of the NBA hoops, rookie cards of these guys, uh, those would be less than a hundred dollars. So, so that is an option. However, the thrill that we all love in this, the sports card game that, that everybody thinks about right when they think of sports cards, uh, the thrill of opening the pack, that's the expensive part. So I would say to you, that that is that that is very much an option right now you go on ebay right now and you could buy an nba hoops card for any player you want and it will not break the bank and um but ultimately you're not going to be able to provide somebody with that thrill of opening that box of pack for cheap but ultimately you know if you wanted to go and, and buy a couple of boxes of nba hoops on ebay right now it wouldn't be absolutely crazy um in terms of price now, if you compare it to the retail price, that's where you start hurting yourself. <laughs> but try your best to ignore that. Well, I definitely would have to just because of the, um, you know, I, I kind of view it this way. If someone tells me that, you know, excuse me, that the price is whatever for, you know, I'll bring it back to sneakers here, but, oh, excuse me, if someone tells me the price for these two pairs of sneakers is $300, it'll be $300 forever, that's the only price, whatever, and I really want a pair of sneakers, then I guess I'll save up their 300. But if someone tells me, you know, well, actually, these sold at one point for 180, I'm going to go, oh, crap, you you tell me I could, you know, it's kind of that that missed opportunity. Start looking into how much it costs these companies to make these shoes and these cards, especially oh, cards. Yeah, with the labor, you know, I mean, all type of stuff, too. That's that's something where. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I got a couple more questions here for you as well, too. I I know I got to ask you. So, what kind of cards are the the best the best you know buy and invest in? Right? Is it something that's holographic? Is it something that's a rookie card? Is it something that's, I mean, 
misprints i know you can't dependably go after those right you have to kind of you have to get really lucky on really really lucky on the scarcity of it but is there is it just kind of invest in whatever is this we know could be the scarce you know you know scarcity type of deal the less supply of them or is there more to it hmm. so like i said if, if you're looking to invest in sports cards right now um your best bet, in, in my opinion, and even after speaking to the legend Crook cards last week, he, you know, he hammered this home too, is just buying and forgetting that you own sealed boxes of cards. Um, that, that's probably your best bet in terms of, I want to make some money off this in five years. Uh, I have a, a couple of, of really high-end 2020 football boxes that I am tempted every day to open <laughs> that, that I don't because I believe in the draft class of Hertz, uh, Burroughs, Tua, Herbie. Um, Herbert, yeah, there so, we go. I mean, Herbert is the man right now. Everybody's looking for him. Um, so I, I guess that would be my investment advice. If you are looking to invest in the cards itself, um, make sure that, that you're looking for low serial number, low production cards. I actually just posted a story today. People were, were kind of panicking in this Facebook group I'm in because there was a massive dip in the LeBron James base set prism. And base set means pretty much a standard issued, nothing too crazy card. Um, a few months ago, these PSA 10 LeBron James base set cards were going for like 500, 600 bucks consistently every sale. And these cards are, you know, there's tens of thousands of them. It was like fishing with dynamite. I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't get my cards graded fast enough. Uh, genuinely, like PSA has been lot, like just jammed up. It takes about a year to get a card back now. In fact, for the last three months, PSA hasn't even been accepting cards because they're so backed up. Um, and with that said, base set card, that, that base set LeBron that was selling for like 500 a few months ago, just over the weekend, I saw a sale go for $45. So everybody in the comments was like, oh, it's all over. It's all over. Um, see you guys in 20 years. It's been real back to the day jobs. But ultimately, I think that was just the market correcting itself. It was the influx of, of new collectors and investors who didn't really know what a rare card was coming and buying these LeBron cards for ridiculous amounts of money because they have the PSA 10 and because they have the word LeBron on them. But ultimately, these cards, there's tens and thousands, if not over 100,000 of them. Um, so if you're investing in cards, make sure you're getting, you know, rare, low production cards. Look for the serial numbering. And even, it, you know, there are cases where a card won't have a serial numbering, but you can look online at the variation and they'll say like, oh, well, there's only 400 of this pink ice um, variant. And, and that... I guess I'm going to take me on another quick tangent here. Panini has done an amazing job of introducing the world of refractors and variants to cats, once again, uh, to the world of sports cards. And with that, they've you know kind of created their own scarcity without having anything really special to it. Um, you know, they, they don't have an autograph. They don't have a Jersey on it or anything. They just make it the coolest freaking card. And they say, well, guess what? There's only five of these guys. So if you want five, it, like, holy cow, or, you know, well, but yeah, the, the, um, in the Panini prism this year, they, 
they had a black refractor of each player. And there's only one of those. And I think it was within like the first two weeks, uh, the LeBron black refractor was pulled and somebody was like recording it live. And that man is sitting pretty. So this is kind of a perfect example. This is actually a tops card. Um, mm. I don't have any of my Panini Prism refractors on me, but you can see it's gold. It's just cool. You know, and yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just so cool to look cool. at. Like if this, that was a poster, my, I would buy that poster, you know? One of my rare personal uh, personal collections, just because it's Chauncey yeah. Bro. And working on the lighting. On the back, there's the serial numbering. So I know, you know, right off the bat, there's only 29 of these. And, you know, I, I've even narrowed it down further. I, I've created more scarcity with it by getting it graded, getting a nine. Oliver, really? Really, buddy? In the middle of all this? Excuse me. Hey, you got to follow Andrew Pitstop Pitlock on Snapchat as well, too. I'll have to plug that for, honestly, some of the funniest videos I've ever seen about a cat in my life. My apologies. No, um, you're good. So, you're like good. I said, just make sure you're, you're investing in something that has a, you know, an explicit scarcity tied to it. You know, find, look for the serial numbering. That is, like, a, just a great place to start. And then... Once you're familiar enough with the realm to know, like, all right, the pink prism ice, uh, there's only so many of those. Um, mm. You know, the, the red refractors, there's only like 300 of those. Make sure that you're, you're investing in something that is limited. That's my advice. Gotcha. Okay. And does it matter at all what league it is? Like if it's MLB, NBA, NFL, you know, as far as investing in going forward? Sure. So basketball right now is definitely the hottest. Um, I think just pop culturally, the NBA has done a great job of individual branding. And I think individual branding is a huge driving factor in a lot of this. And I think that's why the NFL is also up there for, um, you know, the, the value of these cards because people create personal ties to NFL players and NBA players. And of course that happens with MLB players as well, but you're starting to see that tail off a little bit. And I, I think a big part of that is because there's so many more MLB players. Um, I, you know, this is kind of a secret of mine. I, I don't really mess with baseball cards anymore. I, hey. I used to, as a kid, I love the MLB. I watched yeah. a lot of the MLB tigers turning it around four years out from the title. Um, bold takes here today. <laughs> AJ Hinch going to lead him back to another sign-stealing scandal of a World Series win. Hey, now. Only, hey, 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 only because he was from the Astros. No, no, I'm, I'm really trying to get my roommate riled up here. My roommate used to be from the Astros. No, 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 you're good. You're good. You're good. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah. But with that said, I, I think that is why there is so much potential in some of the newer introduced um sports to to the world of cards for the first time ever prism put out WNBA this year and they put out um english premier league soccer which is those are actually far more affordable right now than obviously nba and nfl and i, I think that there's potential especially with this last one I'm about to say ufc prism put out a ufc set this year and um you know it's a, it's a pricey box it's, it's really pricey, but the UFC, I think has done an excellent job of, you know, they've established themselves as the, you know, at the forefront of, of fighting and, and that 
realm of things for, for decades now, just kind of as a whole, as a league. And now over the last few years, you're starting to see a lot more of that individual branding that I was talking about. You're starting to see people who have ties to, uh, man, I love Khabib. Um, you know, the way that, I should be able to list a couple more UFC guys. No, but like McGregor <laughs> and Nate Diaz, like like those guys, oh, McGregor, yeah. For sure, dude. Yeah, exactly. And I think those individual branding is, is really a huge driving factor in the success of not only those leagues, but the sports card that's among them. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, like, Oni and Fernando Tatis card, of course, it's going to bring a ton of money like no other, but owning a... Oh man, I you know I mean owning a, a a dude who's been in the league like a Freddie Freeman card in comparison, right? Braves, you know MVP this past year, all type of stuff. But man, Tatis has it going on. I got gotta think the value is just gonna be insanely high on his versus Freeman, who's just been in the league a while. And there's a lot there's yeah. a lot of Freeman cards too. Yeah, and I, I think. think that there are a lot more um, kind of random player affiliations that people make in the MLB, like. You know, as a Detroiter, uh, people have fallen in love with like Carlos Guillen and Don Kelly and you know, these, these kind of random players that not too many others are, are completely in love with. And that's why you can go and, and afford a card like that. Um, but in the NBA, obviously, everybody's loving the same guys like KD. Kevin Durant is my like I love watching that guy play. I love that guy's game. How can you um, like snakes, man? I'm not a snake fan whatsoever. You know? Nature of the biz, baby. Okay, you got to bounce around. Got to grab some titles here and there. Okay, get some rings on the finger. I I mean, I, I get it. I would I, love yeah, yeah. to see... I, I'm, I'll be interested to see him win a title, um, you know, maybe without two other superstars. Kind of crazy that they got knocked out. I, I couldn't believe my eyes, really. But I also couldn't believe my eyes at how incredible of a performance that man was putting on. Okay, putting in 48 points when he was smothered for 53 minutes of, a, of an overtime game that he sent to overtime. Um, he's done, man. And I love, I mean, I just love his game. And I'm not the only person by any means. Not at uh, all. So and, 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 I'd be bidding with a lot of other guys if they were like, with the card I was going after. Right, right. And, and I mean, I got to be clear here, too. I make a lot of fun of it. I do a podcast called The Big Three in OKC. Um, we used to do it weekly, but we took two weeks off because one of the guys who does it with us is, had a kid. So congrats to Joel there. But back to the point of at hand, listen, I love KD. In fact, I love his game, all type of stuff. But I would not be caught dead on record of having two other guys who do the NBA podcast with hear me say that. So we'll see if they listen to this one all the way through. And... Like, like I can't, I can't hate hate KD now that he's on a different team. It it just sucked at the time because, of course, he joined the enemy. You know, for for the season after that, he has a worse. I mean, when you have a worse three point percentage in a playoff series than Andre Roberson, I mean, what are we doing? So, and of course, that's a stat I'm going to bring up because that's a stat that you know I remember, right? So, KD not scoring in overtime. That that's hard. That's hard. That's gonna be hard to imagine here in like five years when we look back at this, depending on how his career turns out. But I will say, if that man's shoe size wasn't eight in a size eighteen, it was a size seventeen. That would have been an incredible playoff shot, like incredible as far as just just an insane shot. It would have gone down in history. Like if his shoe size is just one size smaller, 
and it wasn't and his feet weren't on the line is what I'm getting at. Then he's got to tuck the toes. I know. Well, I, you, you know what's funny about that is I was watching it at my buddy's twenty um, fifth birthday, and mm-hmm. they're all like big UFC guys and, and guys who do not care at all about basketball. And I'm watching it on my phone. I'm like, guys, this is like the biggest play of the season. Nobody cared. Not a single person. I'm sitting here like, you know, <laughs> rocking back and forth in my chair, watching KD go crazy. Cause at the time I also had, uh, you know, I have two Kevin Durant rookie cards up on, on eBay in auction right now, uh, for anybody listening. And I was thinking about that too. So I'm like, this is my boy. He's hitting shots watching history and I'm going to make a little money with it. So, and of course, of course, even though a diehard Pistons fan, your boy isn't a Pistons player. There's the whole roster is different. The whole roster, the whole roster is different. It's been turned over 360 in the past year, right? So, or 180. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean like my favorite player in the entire NBA right now is not on the thunder. So I'm agreeing with you there, you know, or, or on the Pistons either way. Not, um, I think my I think my favorite player to watch in the NBA right now is probably Devin Booker, night in, night out. It's just, I mean, that's that that dude's insane, and I have no, I I don't dislike the Suns, I don't hate the Suns, I don't like the Suns either, but I respect the heck out of that dude's ability to shoot the basketball yeah. through the hoop. He, I mean, he's he's a stud, dude. Yeah. Every every, I'm kind of rooting for the Suns. Yeah, I got I got stock in Chris Paul too, so I mean, that's just neither here nor there, but I actually, I mean, I love just a lot of guys on that team. So, and I kind of like, I, I really am rooting for a team that three years ago had, you know, the worst record in the league. They kind of built it like the most respectable way that a modern championship team can build. You know what I mean? In, in terms of going out, drafting an absolute stud in Booker when other people passed on him, um, going to get in your DeAndre Ayton and, and, and keeping him interested to see if he's going to get paid. And I think he should and will, uh, whether or not that's in Phoenix and then going to get in the Chris Paul. And that's, it, it's just super cool that that team has come to the forefront and is seeing the success that they are. That's, I mean, they got to be the title favorites. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't checked Vegas odds. I know that obviously it was Brooklyn prior, but I think that they were, I think it was them. Maybe Milwaukee could be beating him out. I don't know. I see. I thought it was the. Gonna be, I thought it was the Clippers before that game yesterday and before Kawhi was ruled out of Game Two. But now Kawhi and Paul, and Chris Paul are both ruled out of this next Western Conference game. I mean, it and, and Andrews thing just sucks this year for the NBA by far and away. But I don't know. I I think they'll figure it out a little bit more this off season. There'll be a little more time to rest and. It is going to be very, very odd not seeing a Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, James Harden, you know, um, finals. It's weird. Well, I guess, you know, I say we're getting old, but that's been what everybody's been watching their entire lives. But, you know, I noticed it really heavily in the NFL this year with the, you know, the wide receiver class. You know, we're, we're turning a leaf in these leagues, you know, we, we had guys get established when we were first getting introduced to the sport that have absolutely run the table. And now you're seeing those guys, uh, you know, walk off into the sunset a little bit and seeing the, the Justin Jefferson's of the world step into 
the shoes that, that these guys fill and the DJ Metcalfs, the DK Metcalfs are, are the new Julio's and it's, it's interesting. And this year, particularly in the NFL, I saw it um, more so in the past. And like I said, that's another reason why I'm investing in field football back in boxing. Yeah. I mean, uh, what I, you know, I can name a couple wide receivers, of course, the hall of famer himself, Calvin Johnson, um, cause we share the same first name, but also, I mean, I mean, one of the greatest wide receivers ever. And then Larry Fitzgerald, you know, I mean, he's, he's going to retire at some point. I mean, I think he's coming back to the cards, but I just saw today that, you know, AJ Greens was being interviewed and I forgot this off season that he moved to the Arizona Cardinals and he signed a one year, $6 million deal after me thinking of him as a, um, max player his whole entire career. Now he's kind of the end of it. I mean, injuries, all type of stuff too. And maybe he'll work out another five years like Fitzgerald or something crazy, but but you're right. Uh, I'm just trying to reiterate your point of how it is interesting. We're seeing all these guys kind of go through waves and stages, right? I'm used to Des Bryant, the Oklahoma State wide receiver, being the guy. And he's been out of the league now for a little bit. Um, he's Carmelo Anthony. You, you think so? Yeah. Well, I, I guess it's a little different in the NFL because there's such a, um, I guess, a stable of, of guys you can, you can fill it. You know, you you could fill into those roles that are just incredibly athletic, but I mean, I'm having a hard time believing Des Bryant can't make his way onto a, a field and and be um, efficient for somebody. So okay, I, yeah, I guess I'm not watching enough of them. But where was he? Uh, where did he? Where was he playing a few weeks last year? I can't remember. Ravens. Yeah, he played for the Ravens. Yeah. yeah. But then a year before that, he tore his, I think, Achilles or ACL or hamstring or something in practice for the Saints before he ever saw a snap. So, yeah. yeah, So, like, I mean, once that happens, you just really start getting tentative with the guy. But now, of course, you got, you know, I mean, what, you mean you're a Spartan, right? So there's Michigan State guys who have come and gone throughout the NFL, right? I mean, still, I'm sure you're telling everyone about Kirk Cousins, but uh, we're still telling people about Le'Veon. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that Except for Andy Reid. You're, you're not telling Andy Reid anything about Le'Veon Bell, right? I drafted Le'Veon for, for far, far more than I should have this year in fantasy football. And all my buddies like made it a running joke all season long. And now at least I have these headlines to send it to the group chat. Like, See, I saw it. It's just Andy. any other system. It would have been fine. It's, um, he's, I mean, he's a talented guy. It'd be interesting yeah. to see where he lands, but... Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, MSU man, we we got we got a couple guys floating around. There you go. He's got to go. Uh, Le'Veon Bell to the Dallas Cowboys. That'd be my that'd be my pick for him. I mean, everyone knows Ezekiel Elliott's the guy there, but you're Le'Veon Bell, and you can all of a sudden be a flash in the pan, incredible dude there to back up Elliott. Yeah. Your your value is going to skyrocket. They have Tony Pollard again this year. Yeah, yeah, and I mean he's of course, yeah, of course, yeah, that dude's out of Memphis. He's he's one heck of a player too, but he's not really a guy who's caught a lot of the backfield. Although I don't hold me to that. I'm not not the biggest Tony Pollard or Dallas Cowboys like stat guy ever. So it's, fun, it's funny you mentioned Larry Fitz. I just got to shout out one of my oh yeah yeah my TikTok buddies, uh, one of my followers and follow you know followees. Uh, his name is Max Max Tomasek. And he just all like all he does is personally collect Larry Fitz, and I just find it very pure to the hobby. You know what I mean? <laughs> just the sense of like everything he posts is like 
like Larry Fitz, like random refractor. Like he's, he's the man. And I, I just find it funny. See, that, I, um, I'd be really the guy out there just collecting of guys of um, college of guys who went to the same college with me, Oklahoma state that are now in the NFL or in the NBA. Like I'd be like mm-hmm. all over a Marcus smart, Tony Allen, K Cunningham cards or Tylen yeah. Wallace, justice. Hill, Mason Rudolph. I mean, I wish he had a better NFL career. <laughs> Some of these guys, though, Chris Carson, um, Justin Blackman, just I think we mentioned Blackman last time I was on the show. We did because <laughs> I was a fan of it. He's such an athlete. That's, Dude. that's a true, true. He's case. still not that old. He's still not that old. That's I mean, Ju- Justin Blackman's like not thirty-five. I mean, you know, I'm, I know I'm going to be rolling out a uh, comeback here for him, but Justin Blackman's not thirty-five. I don't think so. Yeah, he's born in, yeah, he's 30. He was born in 1990. So, anyways, anyways. Everybody kind of carries a, a personal collection with them. And some of these guys, like, I don't know how they personal collect. Like, I go to their page and be like, I personally collect LeBron, Jordan, and Messi. I'll be like, dude, where? <laughs> My personal collection is the 2004 Pistons. That's like, because I, I, you got to set the line somewhere in the sand or else you're just going to be holding on to anything. Or everything, because right. obviously I want to hold on to these sick LeBron cards I have and these Anthony Davis autos. But um, you know, it's funny you were mentioning earlier about guys that don't sign. I think that could be another way to capitalize on the game a little bit is um, looking up guys who don't sign a lot. And you'd expect the 2004 Pistons to be a pretty easy personal collection to have because you know those aren't five all stars, yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. You know, icons. They're right. Some Hall of Famers in there. Shouts out to Ben Wallace. You know, for some reason, I was down it. Ben Wallace, Hall of Fame, absolutely he did for that. Stoked about it. But Ben Wallace and Rashid didn't sign that much. In fact, Rashid did not sign a um, he, he didn't sign a single basketball card distributed set uh, outside of his rookie season. So there's only cards with him in like a Hawks jersey or a North Carolina Jersey. And, um, you know, once again, they're scarce. So, so those ones are a little pricey. So I, uh, I actually have, eh, I'll show some other time. Um, yeah. this cool plaque that I, I'm putting together of, of all the 2004 players and the Rashid one cost me a bit to grab because the man didn't sign that much. And then the Ben one is going to be taking a bump up because of this hall of fame trip hall of fame inductions is a is a huge part of 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 evaluation um so i I think that could be another way to kind of or you know find some nooks and crannies in value is look four years out three years out of guys who are going to get inducted into the hall and i mean that's that's the day The, the day that they get inducted is the day you are you're posting or maybe you posted seven days prior to the induction so that way the auction ends on the day. That's a good call. It's a good call for sure. Well, hey, uh, follow at Pit Stop Project on Instagram, right? Getting that right? That is right. Out. Yep. Let yep. me see if I could change my name on here. That'd be great. What? Oh, yeah. At Pit Stop Project. Oh, yeah, no yeah, yeah. 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 At, at Pit Stop Project on Instagram. Uh, where else can people follow you? Get more information here in the sports card. You can get it games. on Facebook. And that is going to be at the Pit Stop Project. There we go. Uh, we're, we're a group and still kind of learning the nooks and crannies of that. Um, mm-hmm. 
can you hear me at least? My oh, yeah, yeah. No, I can definitely back. hear you. Yeah, yeah. That's how my camera died. I got like three minutes left in this battery. So yeah, yeah, we're good. Um, Facebook group, that's going to be gonna be popping. I want to try and get like the, the discussion groups going and stuff like that. But number one place to, to get in touch with me, message me questions at Pitstop Project on Instagram. Awesome. Well, and as always, thank you so much for joining. Andrew, Pit Stop Pit Lock. Love it. Um, and then please follow at the CJ Tour on Twitter and Instagram if you haven't already. And give us a review rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll catch you guys again soon here. Again, please go follow Andrew at the Pit Stop Project on Facebook or Pit Stop Project on Instagram. We'll catch you guys again soon. Peace. That was awesome. We do. We had a good little back and forth, you and I.